0: Welcome, everyone, to Seek, Go, Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. I want to welcome you today. We've got a great conversation. But uh, before I get to that, I just want to encourage you to go do something. I am releasing my, I guess, my my first novel, my first book. I don't know what to call it exactly, but I would love for you to go check it out and give some feedback. And all you need to do is go to seekgocreate.com forward slash book and you could download the first chapter there. Take, uh, take a look, check it out. And then also as the book is released later in the fall of this year, you'll get first uh, first um, information on the release and where to get it and things like that. So go check it out. It really fits into the theme of our, uh, our entire show here. The title is Coach and it's uh, a story of success redefined. So go check out the novel there, download the first chapter. Do that as a big favor for me. Give me some feedback and let me know your thoughts, and uh, I would appreciate it greatly. So thanks for doing that. Let's get into our guest today. Today, we've got a guy. He's got a great name. Tim Cosby is our guest, and uh, he is, he's involved with organizational culture. He's an employee retention expert, which in today's environment is more important than ever also calls himself an entrepreneur. He's the president and CEO of Real Retention, a training and consulting firm that works with leaders to help them retain their best talent and improve organizational culture. He's got so many things in his bio that we could go through, but we've got someone today that we're gonna be talking about coaching-based ministry. We're gonna be talking about retention. We're gonna be talking about all types of things. Tim, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thanks, Tim. Good to be here. Great to have you here and great name, man. We're going to have fun, two Tims. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. (laughs) All right, let me jump in. My first question I like to ask, I gave you a little bit of warning on this, but we bump into each other. We meet each other either virtually or in person, and we're just chit-chatting. And I say, Tim, what do you do? What do you typically tell people when they ask you what you do?
1: Well, I actually equip people to master engaging conversations, So I'm a coach. I was a pastor for a number of years. Um, I'm helping people to grow at the end of the day. That that's what I'm trying to do.
0: So like always happens, I've got some thoughts, but then as soon as someone says what they do, I, (laughs) I I have another thing, but I'm going to have to really get more information on master engaging conversations yeah. Because uh, one of the things I've long said is that we have so many ways to communicate, but culture, society, people, leaders, managers, husbands and wives, all of us, we really aren't very good at it. So talk to us about mastering engaging conversations before we get much further.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well uh, i i read a book here a little while ago and the author said that if you want to change the culture of your organization if you want to take it up a notch um, then you've got to improve the relationships you got to have better relationships and if you want better relationships you have to have better conversations so at the end of the day, everything comes down to conversations. So since I'm a professional coach and we train professional coaches and we go into companies and teach managers how to coach, it's all about conversations. So conversations that actually engage people, that's what we're interested in. And there, as you know, there are conversations that disengage people, right? So we're, we're looking at the ones
0: that truly engage people. Okay. So this is, I've I've got all these thoughts going through my head. So I think what I'd love to do is I'd like to go macro first and then come down to micro level. And at the macro level, what I'd love to ask you is just in general, in our culture, society, and all that's going on, maybe this is just my paradigm. At times I get discouraged by how many tools we have to communicate and have conversations but yet, how poor we are at it is that is that a bad observation on my part? Are we good at it? Or are we bad at it in general? Is that a not the right question to ask? Talk to us about that briefly. Hmm.
1: What a great question. Um, I, I think generally we're bad at it. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think we are, uh, and and I admit I'm not a great listener sometimes. Um, And I think people come into conversations with their own agenda. And so they don't listen very well. They're more concerned about what they want to say, not what you're saying. So they don't really hear you. And, And I don't think we've really been taught how to have good conversations. I mean, I went through Bible college. I got my master's degree. I've been a chaplain. I've been a pastor, been to all kinds of conferences. But nobody ever taught me this stuff. And if I would have learned this stuff back when I was just getting into ministry, 40 years ago, this would have been a, a game changer for me because I just did not know how to have good conversations.
0: Yeah, that that's really good. I was actually thinking back to my Bible school experience. I spent a few years there, and um, in a in a great environment. I love being around the people. But one of the things we were told from the administration is, "Hey, listen." Uh, you're here to be discipled. We don't really want your input and feedback, <laughs> uh. and um, and and I was just thinking to myself, huh? That's not a good foundation for communication. <laughs> now, listen. Anytime you run an organization, everybody's trying to tell you the right way to do it and things like that. But anyway, I've I've found that intriguing. So uh, so, but but I think you know one of the things that I thought of when you were talking about that, Tim, was I, I used to think that I was really good at engaging and listening, but I, I, I wanna share this. this is interesting for the listeners. One of the things that's helped me more than anything is doing this podcast. <laughs> because uh-huh. I, I find myself engaging with people and I'm really forced to focus on what is Tim saying right now so that we could have an engaging conversation. And it's kind of confusing because we have two Tims on the line, but not about what Tim, me, wants to uh, say or anything like that. But what do we, me and the audience, want to hear from you, Tim? Uh So, you know, that's been real powerful for me. And I used to think I was pretty good at it. So what is the biggest? All right, let's kind of go. Let's move down. We've got the macro. I think we've got so much coming at us that we just have so much noise that it makes it tough. But let's go down to the level of just two people or a few people trying to communicate communicate and try to engage, what are the biggest challenges that we have to overcome when we're in that environment?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. Um, Well, I think one of the things, um, and maybe the biggest thing is just our mindset. You know, what kind of a mindset do we have when we're coming into this conversation? Do we really uh, believe that the other person uh, is capable and competent? do we really believe that they might know more than we do? (laughs) Um, Do we believe that they could accomplish the tasks that they need to accomplish, that they can solve the problems that they're experiencing? Or do we come into a conversation thinking, I already know, I already know the answer. I can tell this person I've already been there, done that. And so I think that mindset has to shift. And what we found is that when we're training professional coaches and even managers how to coach, um, they go through that paradigm shift. And all of a sudden, they have to listen, like what you were just saying. And they realize that they're they're not very good listeners, and uh, they they really understand that they don't know how to ask good questions. So you you do a podcast, so this is what you do is you ask you have to ask good questions or you wouldn't have a good podcast, right? But most people don't know how to ask good questions. So I think that those two things are probably the biggest things that are kind of working against people uh, when they come into a conversation.
0: Yeah. And I just had another thought. My mind just keeps going in these directions here. But one of the things that I do, and I did it a little bit earlier today, is I spend about 45 minutes to an hour preparing for a conversation. But you know what? I don't do that for most of my other conversations, interactions, uh-huh. and I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I, I I haven't gotten to any of them, but I do have a list of questions. I mean, we're just uh-huh. having a conversation, but I I studied you a little bit. I found out a little bit about your background. I I wrote down some things that I really would like to know about you, and I think the uh-huh. audience would like to know, but you know, it's interesting. I don't think we do that in general when we have conversations with people, do we, or should we maybe?
1: Uh, I don't think we do normally, no, because uh, we're we're just moving too fast, right? Yeah. We got we got things to do, people to see, places to go, and we need to get there. And so to stop and really have a meaningful conversation with another person, I think would probably be shocking to that other person, right? Yeah. If if we just said, Tim, I heard about your book. Tell me more about that book. I'm really intrigued by the title. It's like, how did you come up with that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the kinds of questions that engage people because then you feel like you're being listened to and valued, like you're a actual human being. <laughs> it's like, well, what a novel idea. In fact, when we're when we're training coaches uh, in, in listening skills, reflective listening. One of the first things we say is that not listening is an act of war. Mm. So think about that one and then think what's going on in our culture. Think what's going on in most of the relationships and conversations that we have.
0: Right. And that actually plays right into something that I jotted down earlier, especially when you were talking about Bible school and background as a pastor where does, uh, as followers of Christ, as as people that study Scripture and 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 would be considered uh, people that should show love, where does uh-huh. this fit into that? And listen, I'm not sitting here saying that Christians have the corner on the market for great conversation because uh-huh. I, I know that they don't. I think we should, but let's go ahead and sprinkle in some spiritual with it. I mean, you've been to Bible school, you've got that training. So, Tim, go ahead and share how that fits in with being someone who has engaging conversations.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we wrote a book a number of years ago called Coaching-Based Ministry. And one of the chapters that I wrote in there was called Jesus Coached. Hmm. And I think what impressed me the most in my early days of learning how to coach was the fact that jesus asked a lot of questions right so i sat down one day and went through the gospels and i just wrote down all of the questions that jesus asked it was a it was a tremendous experience it took a little while um and and what i discovered was that There were times when Jesus could have given advice to people when they came to him because a lot of people came to him and asked questions, right? Um, But the times that he didn't give an answer to people, um, he actually asked questions. And I just thought, well, that's really interesting to me because if anybody could give perfect advice, it would be Jesus, right? So you wouldn't have to be afraid of following his advice because it, it would be, you know, reliable advice. But I was just intrigued with all the times that Jesus didn't give advice and didn't tell the answer, but actually ask questions. Hmm. And I I think that just that observation for me set me off on a an incredible journey, and, and I'm and I'm still on it because I'm so intrigued by why Jesus would ask questions and then listen to the other person.
0: Yeah, that that's so cool that you did that. Do you have a I'm I'm curious, uh, not that the numbers matter, but d- did you keep a tally of how many questions he asked or like a ballpark? I mean, it's got to be a lot now that I'm sitting here yeah. trying to think of it.
1: <laughs> well, all the recorded questions, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There are many, many unrecorded questions. Sure. Um, there's, there are over 100, for yeah. sure. But when you go through the Gospels, you know, some of the Gospels repeat a question that, you know, like sure. Matthew might, you know, repeat Mark or whatever. So yeah, I, I'd say, um, you know, at least 100 questions, if, if not more.
0: So the beautiful thing about that, this is why we're gonna have a great conversation here, is because I did a study at one point that I wanted to learn more about how Jesus communicated. And so I broke down the audience that he communicated with. And I basically, I think categorized it into three. There were his disciples, which he coached, trained and mentored. There were the sheep, which he he more encouraged, lifted up the sheep. Uh, and then there was the Pharisees, which we won't get into exactly how he communicated with them. That was a whole different style Uh in and of itself. Uh But, but Uh I think it's important to understand. I I think what we do many times is we think that because Jesus spoke a certain way to the Pharisees, that that gives us the ability to do that, or that he did certain things Uh with the disciples. And one of the things that I struggle with is knowing, am I dealing with Pharisees, sheep or disciples? Uh and knowing which one I need to choose from. I think he obviously knew how to do that, but that was a fascinating study audience. It's just knowing who your audience is, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great observation too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, so let's talk more in depth. And, and I appreciate you bringing the uh, spiritual component in because, uh, I, I don't think we can separate that out at all. I mean, I, I think that we're to show love We're we're to show compassion and that means if we're having a heated conversation if you and I are having a a strong conversation I still have to do it with respect and honor but uh but let's go practical let's keep let's kind of keep diving down and let's go you know we've talked high level and we're coming down to practical let's talk about with with communication engaging and all of that we've said we've we know we've got challenges in it but Go ahead and give us a few things that you observe most people just miss out on and we need to get better at it. What are some things that you could just say, we all should, or most people should blank, blank, blank?
1: Hmm. Well, I I think I've already mentioned uh, a couple. Um, I think we need to be better listeners. Um, I worked for uh, a president at one point in my career, and he really enjoyed talking uh, like a lot. And we used to travel together and we were really good friends and I, I respected him. And I, I said to him one day, I said, you know, I'm thinking about buying you a T-shirt that says I'm talking and I can't shut up. <laughs> and he thought he thought that was funny because he said, you're right. He said, I do. I just I get going and I, and I just don't know when to stop. So I think a lot of people just are not good listeners. Uh, Another thing that we're not good at is asking open ended questions. So an open ended questions as we're training coaches, we say an open ended question allows the other person to answer in any way they wish. So it's not leading, it's not yes or no, it's not a why question, it's, it's open-ended, right? So I think learning how to ask good questions would help leaders immensely. I mean, I study questions. I have books on asking questions. And I have to admit that when I first came into this 11 years ago, I did not know what I was doing. I did not know how to ask good questions. I didn't even know what they were. So uh, I had a lot of a lot of learning to do for sure. So not listening, um not asking good questions. And then I think the 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 last one maybe is that I think we often think too much of our own advice. I think we come into a lot of conversations thinking that we already know. And we think that really what people need the most is for us to tell them our story or give them a piece of advice from our journey because we already know. We've like been there, done that. We got the t-shirt and I know exactly what you should do. Um, I I think leaders are terrible at that and if if leaders would just learn how to take a breath after somebody asks them a question, just take a breath, count to two or three or something, instead of just immediately going into problem solving. And in fact, i, I was I was on uh, in a conversation with a pastor this morning that had been to one of our trainings last week. and And I just said, "So you know, what do you what was your big takeaway from this experience, you know? You're, you're well-trained, you know, you got a master's degree and all this kind of stuff. And he said, um, well, I think I think what I realized most is that my default mode is to solve people's problems for them. Hmm. And so I go into problem-solving, fix-it mode, you know, and maybe, maybe us guys struggle with that more than women do. I, I don't know. I won't make this a gender thing, but I know I struggle with it. Um, so I, I think we're, I think we're really bad at not listening to the other person. And then that, that mindset that just thinks, you know what, I've got their answer. I know what they should do. And if they just do what I tell them, everything's going to be good. So what do you think about that, Tim? <laughs> you
0: know, I do. And I'm sitting here laughing for a couple reasons. And I'm going to, I'm going to draw a few connections to some things from our earlier conversation. Uh, I can get in that mode of thinking I need to fix things, both my wife and I can. So when we walk in a room, we're looking at what's wrong and what we can fix. Not saying that's always good. Sometimes it's good, but not always. But here's what I thought of, Tim, while you were saying that. You talked earlier about Jesus and studying how often he asked questions. If there was ever anyone that could fix things, it -hmm. would be him. But yet, he didn't walk in a room and heal everyone. In fact, he didn't heal unless they asked, typically. He didn't he didn't start jumping on things unless they asked. And then he asked, What makes us think that we're greater fixers? than the son of man, the son of God. So anyway, that was what I was thinking. It's like, if Jesus asked questions, why can't we? I almost saw a t-shirt there. So that's what my (laughs) thoughts were when you were saying that. Am I drawing the right conclusions? (laughs) Yes, I think so. I think you're listening really well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here going, okay, if we're, if I, you know, why would I not ask questions? Why would the listener not ask questions if Jesus asked questions? Now, I did also do something secondary. I'm sitting here and I'm I'm drawing out on my notepad here listeners list listening questions and thinking too much about your own advice and the word humility popped to mind around all of those and 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 I think it might go back to our spiritual conversation or 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 something and I I do think I know for me years ago I probably would maybe ask questions because I read you know how to win friends and influence people and so i was doing it as a technique i don't know it came i don't know if it came from my heart oh, and so I, I do think that life has forced a little more humility on me what is your observation in working people as far as where they fit on the humility scale and how well they are at uh you know engaging conversations <sighs>
1: Yeah. Well, you ask good questions. I, I really like this. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I was doing some training in a local uh, Christian university here in our area, and uh, I had a whole class full of pastoral majors, right? Mm. So I'm training these people, men and women, how to how to use a coaching approach in their leadership. Yeah. And I remember one day, one of the students, and actually his name was Tim, so that's kind of funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> but he, he, said, uh, he said, you know, Mr. Cosby, as I listen to this, what this feels like to me is just the way to be a servant. Hmm. And I just said, you just nailed it right there. Yeah. because that's what Jesus was that's what he modeled and he could do that because he was humble and he'd already humbled himself right so i i think that um and and then i'll I'll tell another story from my life because you know i've spent most of my life in either local church ministry or christian higher education and so as a pastor or a chaplain or whatever and the last 11 years as a business owner um But when I first stepped into coaching, coaching was a very humbling experience for me. Hmm. And I think it was because the way we were trained, whether it was in Bible school, seminary, or from other leaders, we're trained to be the experts we're trained to have the answers it's like that's how we gauge your leadership it's like can you can you actually answer my question do you know the answer to my question and and i've just found that that's that's really a kind of a a terrible way to approach life and and so what the what the coaching experience did for me is that i realized that in that conversation with the person that i was coaching. I was listening to them, I was asking them questions, but I was not providing the solution. And that felt very weak to me because it's like, well, that's what a man does, right? He fixes the problem, he answers the question, right? He rides in on the horse and solves the deal. And that's the way we've been trained. And so I, I felt like, you know what coaching is? It's it's kind of like being a midwife almost. It's like, you know, I'm there to witness the birth. And I tell hmm. my clients, it's it's coach, client, Holy Spirit. So I said, my job is to listen to you well and to listen to the Holy Spirit well so that I can help you hear what he's saying to you (laughs) because at the end of the day I got nothing for you right my my job is to in a sense kind of hand you off to the Holy Spirit and say God what do you want to do here and i just have to be honest that was a very humbling experience because that's not the way i was trained so so i think you're right on i think humility is at, is at the heart of this and that's kind of that mindset thing that we talked about earlier yeah. if you don't have a, a mindset of humility then it's going to be pretty hard for you to use a coaching approach because <laughs> you think you already know right? Does that make sense?
0: It absolutely does. And I thought it was fascinating. The first thing you mentioned there, there was a group of pastors. And, Um, you know, by the very nature, pastors should be, this is my definition that I believe we see in scripture, caring, tending the sheep, leading, nurturing, understanding, listening. um, But I think what we've done is what you mentioned in that last part of your story is we've almost created this Environment where, when someone all of a sudden moves into a leadership role, they're supposed to know everything, do everything. And to me, this is just my take on it. The higher someone gets in an organization, really, the less equipped they are to do that, and they need the humility, the Holy Spirit, coaching. They need all of that more than ever. And uh, but but unfortunately, in culture, we kind of believe that people, and you know, we really do push people to these levels of this was uh, back in the 90s, we use this. I don't know if it's still true. We push people up to levels of incompetence. We push them uh-huh. up to a point where they can do low, you know, no longer do anything. Uh-huh. And and unfortunately, they start feeling that internally and it starts causing them to shut down, not ask questions. Anyway, a lot of things there. I do yeah. want to jump back. You, you brought up some things that uh, just kind of made me made my spirit jump because it's, it's Uh. kind of what I'm all about. We interact with people here on Seek, Go Create that have a lot of that component. You said coach, client, Holy Spirit. Uh. And, and some people might be listening and going, huh, I don't know that I really grasp that. And that's cool. If someone's listening and we welcome them. But, uh, but some people are going, yeah, I get that. I, what I'd love for you to do is just briefly talk more about that because some people may not grasp what you're talking about, Tim. So, so could you go just a little bit farther into that? And I'm going to go and give you my next question as a follow-up. I'm going to ask you how you bring faith, business, money, all of those into the realm that you operate in. So I'm giving you a glimpse of that. If you just want to go right into talking about that, you're welcome. But first of all, that, that coach, client, and Holy Spirit, tell them, tell me and the listener a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm, a, a coach, uh, that's been approved by Christian coaches, network, international CCNI. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's the largest Christian coaching credentialing body in the world. And I'm, I'm just really honored to be a part of that. And, um, they, they asked me a number of years ago to, to write a, a white paper on distinctively Christian coaching. So, I, so I did. And I remember one of the things that I kind of brought out in that was that if you look at the differences between, let's call it secular coaching and Christian coaching, and I don't even like those terms, but yeah. truth-based, you know, Christ-centered coaching um, and, and kind of what the world offers without Christ, um, the, what secular coaching offers is is just a coach and a client and the belief is that that client has everything in them that they need to solve their own problems now i believe that people have great potential but I don't believe that I have everything in me that I need to solve every problem that I have, right? Mm. So I believe that that's what God, the Holy Spirit is for. And so my job is to say, well, you know, what, what has God been saying to you about this, you know? And what would you like to do about that? And, um, and I can share things in a conversation and say, you know, I just had a thought that came to mind. Can I share it with you? I don't know if this is from God or not might be but you know, I'll let you be the judge of that and share that with them. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's coach client Holy Spirit, because, because he's the one that they're going to answer to not, not me, right. So I, I, I feel like that's at the heart of the difference between Christian coaching and every other kind of coaching is the view that Christ is at the center of this and I meet a person where they are and take them to where God wants them to be. I sure. just do that without giving them advice. And that's the hard thing about coaching. Does that
0: make sense it absolutely makes sense and I, I love that it's one of the reasons why when I'm on my coaching clients I like to record them on zoom uh-huh. because I believe that the holy Spirit's going to show up and say some things
1: Good. and
0: sometimes it's hard to we need to remember what the holy spirit says so uh-huh. I, I love that all right let's keep going though because someone would ask Tim because I, I know I've checked, you work with people outside of the ministry world. You work in business. Uh-huh. And so do you use that same approach? If so, how do you go about doing it? Do you walk in and beat people over the head with a Bible and say, hey, this is Christian coaching and Jesus is going to show up? Or how do you go about doing that? I'm being a little bit facetious here, you know, but sure. uh, yeah. uh, I, know, I know that those are questions that a lot of people have as far uh-huh. as how do they merge their faith? with the business world talk to us more about that
1: yeah um i i think i'll give you kind of two different contexts because i think my answer would be maybe different uh, based on these two different contexts if i'm coaching an individual yeah. when we first start out together once they've said yeah i want to hire you as my coach or or whatever um I make sure at the very beginning of our relationship that they understand where I'm coming from. Mm. So I'm a follower of Christ. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. Um, my whole life is based on scripture and faith in God. And I believe that he created us for a purpose. And I believe that Jesus Christ is walking with me. And so I view life through that lens. Mm. Um, now I don't know where you're at and I don't know how you view life, um, but you just need to know that that's the way I'm viewing life. I'm not going to force that on anyone <laughs> because I believe that God, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and will ask you and invite you and he's not going to you know, just overpower you. Um, so I think in that kind of a setting, I would just make sure that the other person understands, this is just where I'm coming from, okay? Because they need to know that. Um, I think in the kind of the business setting um, where I'm training uh, you know, a room full of managers or now a Zoom room full of, of managers, um, I am I am listening. I am kind of coming to that whole experience as a follower of Christ, it's like, you know what? Business is ministry, and this is my mission. I, God is involved in this, and I don't know what he wants to do right here, but I'm listening for that. Um, I'm not going to, you know, maybe just give the plan of salvation, or I may not pray with a person or whatever, but I'm treating them as a human being. I'm respecting them, I'm listening to them asking for their story. And I'm teaching them what I believe to be truth. So truth is truth. So um, I think, you know, respecting people and learning how to ask good questions and listening well, that's just truth. And, and I want to teach those things. So I, I think that's how I would um, kind of delineate between those two circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I, I appreciate you sharing that because I know I have conversations about this all the time. The odd thing for me, I was actually saved in a business setting. So I've never really separated out business and my faith, but I know a lot of people struggle with that. And so I love to bring it up with people that are in the role that you're in. And, you know, what I heard was that you just bring light, you bring him with you wherever you go. That's right. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And it goes back to the humility that we talked about earlier, you know, how to listen, how to ask questions, how to, uh, you know, think think that your advice is not all that, you know, and, and uh-huh. things like that. So I love, I mean, you. it sounds to me like you step into a room with humility, knowing that you're not the boss in charge. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what the scripture teaches us is that God is Emmanuel. He's with us. And so everything that I do, I mean, he's, 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 the Lord is sitting with me right here in the office. I mean, I even have a chair over by the wall where Jesus sits and we have conversations. It's like, okay, so what would you do about this one here? Because I don't really know what to do, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm coaching someone, I'm in that continual kind of conversation with the father saying, what are you saying? What do you want to do? What do you want to reveal? Um, and I, I just want to be his, his midwife.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Conduit, his his yeah, vehicle conduit. to get through to people. So yeah. I was about to pivot, but what you just said brought up one more question, and that is this. What would you say to someone who ask you the question? Let me say how to I'll word it like someone mm. might word it. Wait, mm. did you say that you actually hear God's voice, Tim? Uh-huh. Does he speak? To you, How do you respond when someone says that? I totally agree with you and I'm the same way, but I know there are a lot of people out there that would go, oh, I don't hear God's voice. He doesn't talk to me, doesn't want to, whatever. Respond to someone that might ask you that question.
1: Yeah. Um, I actually go through that kind of a thing with my clients at the very beginning of our relationship because, awesome. you know, I just say, you know, as... As fellow Christians, if if they're a believer in Christ, I just say, you know, John 10 tells us that my sheep hear my voice and they know me, right? So if I am in the most intimate, perfect relationship with the the most amazing person in the world, that's Jesus Christ, um, then I got to believe that that communication has to go both ways. It wouldn't be a very good relationship if it just went one way. Right, so um, I believe that we're in this continual conversation. I'm listening for what God is saying to me. I'm testing it out. Um, I don't usually come out and say God told me. I I just yeah. I just never. Maybe I'm never that sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so I try to do it with respect and humility. Mm-hmm. But I believe that God is still still speaking he speaks through his word scriptures right but he speaks through his word the rhema word which is the living dynamic the matthew 4 kind of a rhema word that that god uses and i that's kind of what i'm listening for so in a conversation i might just say wow I just heard you say something there and a picture came to my mind um would that be okay if i just shared that picture with you and i share the picture and they start crying and i'm like so tell me what's going on oh and they tell me the story behind that picture and i'm like okay well it wasn't me uh that that was god right so i don't take credit for that i just want to be that
0: conduit yeah that's I I love that because I and I love hearing you say it because it confirms kind of the way I function. There are times that things come out of my mouth and I'm not saying I'm channeling or anything like that, but I'm going, where did that come from? Oh, that's not me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's nothing I would have ever come up with. It makes no sense. So maybe we should look at it and say that's Holy Spirit. That's God attempting to get a message across to you or to us. So. I want to go into, this is a question that I did write down. I'm finally getting to the questions I wrote down, just so (laughs) you know. But but this is something that really, I meditate and think on this often because I hear the word discipleship in scripture. And truthfully, Tim, I don't think that I see it that much in culture, society, or even in church. And I say the small C church, maybe not the big C, Ecclesia, Ecclesia, whatever. But one of the things I've said, and I do not think this is me putting what I do or what you do high on a pedestal, but I do wonder at times if coaching is modern day discipleship (laughs) because of the way we approach things, especially the way you're talking about the way you do it, the way you go in, the time you spend Tell me when I say that, what what triggers in your mind? What thoughts do you have? What response do you have when I say that what you're doing appears to me like uh, a disciple would have been 2000 years ago?
1: Hmm. Wow, several stories come to mind. Uh, <laughs> I was doing some training with a professor from a community college, a business professor, and Christian, good friend. And once we had gone through kind of the core of our training, um, he said to me one day, he said, Tim, what you're doing is you're teaching conversational discipleship. And I said, oh, my goodness, that I'm going to get that URL today. And, and I did. And we laughed. But, but I think that what he was saying was, you know, the way that we disciple people I think that is what has to change. And so what if we looked at this conversational approach, this coaching approach to discipleship as the operating system for making disciples? Um, Because I feel like if we knew how to listen better, and ask better questions and meet people where they are, not where we think they should be and help them to go where God wants them to go, not where we think they should go, then I think that that would be a really great way to make disciples. And, and I would agree with you, I don't see that a lot. So I had a pastor that came through one of our trainings. This was, a, this was several years ago. And I remember he called me and we had about a 45-minute conversation because he was vetting me out because he thought that maybe what I was teaching was Oprah Winfrey kind of stuff, you know, this fluffy coaching stuff. And so, yeah, so woo-woo. And so anyway, evidently I must have passed because he said, you know, I'll come to your training. So he did. And uh, he came for like a two-day training. And I followed up with him about a month later and just called him on the phone. And I said, Mark... So talk to me about what this last 30 days has been like since you've learned these skills. And he said, well, Tim, I gotta admit, um, I've been uh, discipling people in my whole ministry. And uh, it's a very, very important part of our ministry here as a church to, to disciple believers. But he said, what your training did for me is it made me realize that I'm not listening to them and I'm not asking them questions. I'm just telling them what I think they should do. In other words, here's a disciple. Here's what they do. This is what you should do. So go do it. And I said, well, how has that been going? (laughs) And he said, well, not very well, because they don't do it. (laughs) I'm like, Big surprise, right? I've got four kids, so I know that that methodology doesn't work, right? Um, So he said, this is going to revolutionize my discipling ministry because now I'm going to actually listen to them. I'm going to actually meet them where they are, not where I think they are or should be. And I'm going to help them kind of come up with their own path to how they're going to follow Christ. How are they going to be obedient to this right here? And so that's a really long answer to your question. But I think that if we look at coaching as the operating system for discipling people, um, that's pretty powerful, I think.
0: Yeah. And the, the reason that that, is so strong with me is because something that has nagged at me for the longest is how poor we are at discipling. And the the example you gave of the pastor is a great example. I know what's best for you, so I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And we've got tens of hundreds of thousands of years of history that shows that doesn't work. Right. But, you know, there was a three-year period about 2,000 years ago that gives us one of the greatest examples. Uh-huh. And, and I would love to get your thoughts on this. I want to uh-huh. set the stage for this. Uh-huh. We, in corporate America, we have once, sometimes twice a year, if we really are aggressive, a one-hour session where we quote-unquote coach and give feedback to people. It's usually associated with pay. Uh, You know, when we do discipling in spiritual situations, we we meet pretty regularly, but it's not two-way conversation. I could argue that Jesus Christ had the, the deadline that all of us can't even relate to, but yet he was never in a hurry in dealing with those that he was discipling. And so I really want to kind of lay this back to you and say, didn't we have that example 2000 years ago of just being around people, having conversation and interacting? You mentioned it earlier that he asked questions. He asked questions over and over. Everyone saw he rebuked him. He did. Uh However, isn't that our model? I mean, the three years, and you know, there's never a scripture that said Jesus was in a hurry. Jesus looked around at his 12 and said, all right, guys, let's hustle. We got to move on to the next town. I think we're in too much of a rush to get a lot of things done. Anyway, I threw a lot at you there. I kind of, you kind of pulled my string a little bit, but I'll pause and let you just respond or agree, disagree, (laughs) whatever with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wow. Well, I've been doing this long enough to know that I don't have the solutions for people. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so that's good.
1: I'm I'm kind of glad for that now. It's like it takes a big weight. That's what this pastor said this morning that I was I was interviewing. I said, you know, if I was to ask you the question, what problem is this solving for pastors? His his immediate answer was that we don't have to solve everybody's problem.
0: <laughs> and I yeah. said,
1: "Wow. Well, that would take a load off of, of a lot of shoulders of pastors, right?" So, um yeah i I think we just have not been very um attentive to the life of Jesus and what he was doing, and we haven't really compared it with the way that we've been taught how to lead because we've not been taught this tim i I'm sorry to tell you, but I've been in you know Christian college and university as a chaplain for ten years. I've done some teaching, I've uh, been a pastor for about thirty years. Been through seminary, got my MDiv, you know, really interacted with some really smart people, but I was never taught this. Mm. I was never taught this process. And I just feel like, wow, this is such an effective way to develop leaders. Why don't we do this? And and what I'm finding is that one of the reasons is because um Pastors, and and I don't mean this in a bad way, pastors are just ignorant. They just don't know. But once they find out, and we've trained a lot of pastors, once they find out, they say, oh, now, now I understand, Tim. Now, now I get this. And I see, I thought I was a good listener, but not so much. And I thought I knew how to ask good questions, but I realized that all my questions are leading or yes or no. So I, I'm not as good at this as I thought I was. <laughs> so once once I think leaders are exposed to this process, what we found over the years is that most of them are, are favorable towards it. Now you get some really high D you know, uh, leaders on steroids or whatever, and they, they go around thinking that they do have all the answers, then, okay, then I'm not gonna try to change you. You're not gonna make a very good coach. Um, but I think, you know, most leaders and pastors that we've interacted with, once they've experienced this and started to learn these skills, they just say, oh, uh, this pastor today said, you know, the rest of my staff, and my board. We all need to learn how to do this. So let's figure out a way to get this training to our church.
0: You know, what's, it's so, like, what's so cool about the way you're saying that is that really, in a lot of ways, what it's showing is, are we really, is the job description correct? You know, we're saying pastors, you need to be able to speak, you need to have some administrative, uh, you need to have some spiritual, you know, understanding. When really, it's almost uh, as if they should have this more servant communicative. I mean, it's really almost like we've got a disconnect. And then of course, once someone steps into that role, we elevate them to a, you need to know everything you need to do all this. So anyway, that's, it's so powerful all that you're doing with them. I, I do wanted to, there's a few things I want to ask before we finish up here. And one is the word coach, is a word that's thrown around quite a bit in our culture and society. And I, I just want to get your perspective on, have we overused it, misused it, abused it? You know, the word, you know, wow. anybody could be a coach. We've got athletic coaches. We've got, uh, we, could, we do have certifications. We tell managers and people in uh, corporate settings, you need to learn how to coach are we, are, are we messing up the word at all? Or is there something that we've done that is causing some confusion? Because I do get at times had someone recently told them I were a coach and he goes, boy, everybody's a life coach nowadays, aren't they? And I went, Uh, uh. well, uh, I'm not really a life (laughs) coach, but kind of a strategist Uh. too, but you know, thanks for the input. (laughs) So anyway, thoughts on the word coaching.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the actual uh, concept and, and picture of a coach actually came from about 1585 in the country of Hungary from this little town called uh, Coach, K-O-C-H. Hmm. And it was an actual coach, a carriage that was pulled by a horse and someone was driving the carriage and they would actually meet people where they were and take them to where they wanted to go. That's where Coach came from. Somewhere in the early 1900s, mid 1900s, it got hijacked, I think, by athletic (laughs) coaching. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not against athletic coaching. In fact, we just had somebody that went through our professional certification program and, he, and he's a professional basketball coach. Mm. And, and so he said, well, this is way different than the way I've been coaching. <laughs> so when I asked him about that, it's, it had to do with the fact that he thought that he always knew the answer. And so he would just tell his players, just do this, you know, kind of a thing. But um, so I think the term kind of of got hijacked and um, I'm glad to kind of see, you know, and meet people like you that uh, have a a correct understanding of coach because I think it's a very, very powerful uh, metaphor and a way to help people. My elevator speech on that is coaching helps people to change without telling them what to do.
0: Hmm.
1: So if leaders could just develop that kind of a mindset, then all of a sudden I'd, I'd say, boy, you, you could be a full spectrum leader. You could lead all the way across this spectrum where there are times where you, you need to give direction and that's fine, but there are times when you need to empower people and you need to learn how to ask good questions and listen and get them engaged and empower them. Now, if you know how to do both of those, now you're a full spectrum leader. Boy, now you're you're going to be so good with people.
0: Sure. So, uh, a few things as, as we wrap up here, and then I'm, and I want to make sure that people know how to connect with you and find your resources and and get in touch. But uh, I I do. These are a couple of kind of bigger questions that I wanted to ask, and one of them is is something that I ask often. But what challenges do you see in our I don't know, society, culture, whatever, related to learning and growth and just, you know, being all that you could be? Because it, at times I feel like we're winning and then at times I feel like we're losing ground. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on some of the challenges that we face in the world that you and I function and operate in.
1: So when you use the word "we," who do you mean by "we?
0: Well, we, you and me coaches, people that are people that are attempting to help people be all that they can be, people that are attempting to help people maximize their potential growth, you know, you know being able to learn and all that. So what are maybe maybe I'll just ask it this way. What are some of the biggest challenges you face in getting done what you believe you're called to do?
1: Hmm.
0: Excellent question um <laughs> too deep no
1: <laughs> no um but i'm i'm thinking about that because uh, i think it's such a good question um you mentioned one of the things and, and these are not in order of significance but um just the fact that we're just in a hurry all the time mm-hmm. people are just going places yeah. and and life is just too fast and, and we can't slow down i think that's a big obstacle to people um I think that um, people have not seen or experienced good leaders that lead like this. So they just don't have any sort of reference point. All they can think of is that angry athletic coach they had in eighth grade that, you know, made them do push-ups or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, but they're, they're not coming up with these mental pictures of, oh, I worked with this leader here and this is the way they did it. Now I get that, right? I think that would really, that would really help us. Um, one of the things that we've experienced just in our, in our marketing, we're, we're kind of in the midst of rebranding right now, but Um, as culture impact. But one of the things that that we've kind of um, seen over the years is that um, once a person experiences what we do, they're much more likely to move forward with that product. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, that's really crass marketing terms. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that people have to experience this. In other words, they need to experience you and what it feels like when you have a conversation with them and you're actually listening to them and actually hearing them. That makes a huge impact on people. <laughs> and and I bet there are people out there that they've never had that experience one time mm-hmm. in their whole life. You know, People have mm-hmm. always told them they're a failure. They haven't listened to them. You're stupid. All your ideas are not going to work. Um, you'll never make it all that kind of stuff. Those are the people that I think need to experience this way of being with them, because I think it's the way of Christ. I think that's, I think that's what Jesus did. You know, he's like, what, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. The God of the universe is asking me that question. (laughs) What an incredible question, right? But he listened to people and met them right where they were. So I think that that, that, those things right there, um, I think, have been some of the biggest hindrances to what, to what we're doing. So what you and I are doing right now and what you're doing with this podcast, uh, I think, is, is going to help tremendously because you have a, a lot of listeners. I don't know how many listeners you have, but you have a lot of listeners out there. and Maybe this is the first time they've heard something like this, and they might go, mm. hmm, maybe I should check that out. Okay, yeah. then that, I think that would be a good thing. That'd be good for you, and that'd be good for us, too.
0: Yeah, very good, and I love. I I agree definitely with all of that, but definitely the the rush and hurry and the just sheer amount of things that are coming at people is probably one of the biggest hindrances there. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, kind of, and that's a great almost wrap question. I've got two other small questions that I'll ask here as we finish up. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one, Tim, is this and. I just feel like I'd love to get your take on this. What looking at big picture and and I'll let you answer this either uh, with leadership, coaching, whatever, but I'm going to ask you, what do you, because we're both mature guys. That's a way, that's a term we use as we are having a few years on us, but we're mature. So we can look around and go, okay, we have had some history. We've got some years ahead of us, but what currently is discouraging to you when you look out on the landscape? and just look at either business, coaching, whatever. And then also what is encouraging, what discourages you and what encourages you just, and you could take it in whatever direction you want to uh, take hmm. that.
1: Hmm. Well, you're asking a lot of really good open-ended questions today. So I, <laughs> I really, I really appreciate that. Cause you don't, it doesn't sound like you have a big agenda. you you actually care what I think about that. So I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, two things come to mind, and they're both kind of the, the flip side of a coin, I think. One of the most discouraging things for me is to meet CEOs that don't see the value of this kind of approach and of treating people this way and of equipping their managers with these kinds of skills. Um, that's, very, that's very discouraging for me. Um, uh, I think what's really encouraging is that when I meet a, a corporate leader, CEO, uh, you know, C-suite kind of person, and they not only see the value of this, they actually invest in it. Um, and they they put their time and resources into this. And those those situations just bring just incredible joy, because I believe that this is we're teaching people um, how to be with other people more like Jesus. So that's a pretty good thing, I think. And, and when I see leaders catching on to that and then training their leaders, uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I love what you said earlier that I, I don't have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. The only thing unfortunate, it's one of the reasons we do hour and so many minute podcasts instead of 30 is I do have a clock that I try to watch to be respectful and mindful of time. (laughs) And I believe that you and I could have much more conversation. However, I want to begin kind of wrapping here with just a few questions. Who would be the ideal person that should reach out to you that may want to engage with you, interact with you, get your services Who would that be? Describe that person for the listener or for anyone else that might be uh, watching so that they would know, hmm, I need to reach out to Tim.
1: Yeah, I tell you who I'd like to talk to, and that is key decision makers, Hmm. period. So I don't care what your title is. Um, If you're a key decision maker in an organization, you're the person that I want to talk to.
0: Good, very good. So how do they do that? Tell them where to go. We'll include it in the notes, but go ahead and tell everybody where to go. And then sure. I'll have one question that we'll wrap up with.
1: Yeah, well, I think the, the simplest thing is just to go to coachingbaseministry.com. There's a way to contact us on there. There's some resources that you can download. There's a couple of white papers that you can get. Um, you can learn about our test drives, what we call a test drive. Um, I, you know, bought a, a, re, a car a couple of years ago, and I would not buy a car without taking it for a test drive, right? So mm-hmm. the, the the salesman knew that, said, take it home, uh, you know, park it in your garage, take your grandkids for a ride in it, keep it overnight, you know, see how it feels in your garage. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and so I actually ended up getting that car. So we say to leaders, key decision makers, um, you can take a test drive of this. In other words, you can test drive our methodology and our content even for a very minimal amount of time and money because we want you to have some skin in the game, mm-hmm. um, but you can test it out and and see whether you think this would be a good thing to bring to your organization or not. Because at the end of the day, that's who we're really trying to reach as organizational leaders, whether it's in a church, uh, you know, a nonprofit, a, a corporation, Um, we just need to talk to those key decision makers. Um, and sometimes we just say, you know, the person that can write the check, that's who I want to talk to, because if they don't buy into this, it's not going to work. So that's who we need to talk to.
0: Yeah. And one of the things I love earlier, you said that we found that people need to experience what you do. you it sounds like you're making it fairly easy for people to experience it. They just need to take that step to go check it out. So I encourage people to go do that. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you can actually go through one of our trainings online, and and just experience what your managers would experience or what leaders would experience if they were to go through our training. So, yeah, mm. that's how they can do it.
0: Very good. Well, Tim, I've enjoyed the conversation. I I do think we've had some deep. <laughs> I've loved some of the the questions uh, that you've even pulled out from me. I believe that's the Holy Spirit that kind of uh, showed up in this conversation and. I appreciate your openness to, uh, to answer and allow me to ask. So my final question is, uh, is really one that we ask in this podcast and we are Seek, Go Create. And the question is this, which one of those words currently, because I know it could change in our lives, but currently jumps out at you, means more, resonates with you more, Seek, Go Create. Which one means more right now and why? That's wow. our final question. Yeah,
1: I think as a business owner um, over the last uh, 11 years, uh, I think the word create um, has kind of taken on new meaning for me because I think leaders, um, you know, share and kind of the image of, of God in that sense as, as creator and we're co-creators. So I think uh, going into organizations and help them helping them to create better relationships and a better culture, it's like it doesn't get any better than that for me.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I do encourage anyone that's been listening to go check out Tim's information on the website. It'll be down in the notes. And I also just want to encourage you, if you've been listening in, do me a huge favor, and that is this, share this episode. What a what a great conversation we've had on so many things, coaching, ministry, business, just conversations and And I know that you know people that need to hear this message. So if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, you could share from there typically. If you're on YouTube, you could share. If you're on Facebook, you could share there. Or you could just take a screenshot, text it to someone you know that might be a leader or someone that needs to hear this message, share the episode. That is the number one way that people learn about podcasts and are exposed to new podcasts a friend or someone recommends it so make sure that you do that you could also connect with us on all the socials we're seek go create everywhere LinkedIn Facebook Instagram uh, what else Twitter so we're seek go create there so continue checking us out there engaging there we appreciate it new episodes every Monday make sure you're subscribed until next time continue being all that you were created to be